The invitation today is look for God, expect God, search for Him, be open to Him. There's a section in Alice Walker's book, The Color Purple, where she writes, this is a bit of a paraphrase, I think it ticks God off when people go through a field where there's purple and they don't notice it. People think all God cares about is us pleasing God, and we do not notice how ceaselessly the world pleases us or seeks to please us how god puts beauty purple everywhere and we just we don't notice it we don't notice him now i have to tell you when i first filmed this video i did it in another place in a field where there is a splash of the color purple that is so beautiful it will take your breath away and I was very excited for you to be able to see that. But then for some reason, the stupid camera did not record the stupid sound. So then I have to find God in the presence of disappointment. And I know that's a tiny, terribly small little thing. And yet that also is part of the challenge of how do I find God present when things are beautiful and breathtaking, but also when things don't turn out the way that I want them to. We're walking through very near the end now of Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard's book. And he talks about how this is the great task taken from the words of Jesus himself, where Jesus says, now as you're going through the world, make disciples, make apprentices, help people sign up in the great project of being with me to learn from me how to live like me in, in my power. And then uh, in the text, normally it's translated baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But Dallas talks about the, the notion of baptizing, you know, is uh, to immerse or to um, have something be surrounded by. It was, it was to dip. It's like uh, I had uh, cinnamon rolls not long ago at a place where the cinnamon roll is fabulous, but when you immerse it in the coffee so that it is fully saturated with, absorbed in the coffee, it becomes one of the great proofs for the existence of God in the world. And Dallas says the idea is not just that you're supposed to dunk people in water or sprinkle them, depending on your view of baptism, but you are to immerse them in the reality, in the presence of the Trinity. Here's what he writes. This stage has to do with immersing the apprentices into the Trinitarian presence, inhabiting and enclosing the group. Once we have a group of apprentices to Jesus, this is the single major component of a local congregation's prospering in spiritual formation. The teaching God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in their midst. It is not a human work. Thank God, this is not just up to us. Although it constantly is an interaction with uh, the human work of learning to do what it is that Jesus teaches us. The presence of God in the midst is the only sure mark of the true ecclesia, of the true um, uh, congregation of people who are following Jesus. We ought to expect it to be a place where the divine life and power is manifestly present to glorify God and meet the needs of repentant human beings. This would imply an atmosphere of honesty, openness, 
indiscriminate acceptance of all, supernatural caring, with utter admiration for and confidence in Jesus. We're to be immersed in the presence and therefore the goodness and power and love and protection and care of God. And we're to immerse other people into this. Now, how do we go about doing this? Uh, there's a wonderful book by a friend, Andy Crouch, called The Life We're Looking For. And it turns out that searching and seeking to recognize is what we were made for. We are made to search for love, to search for truth, to search for beauty, to look for the color purple. And he writes this at the uh, beginning of the book. Recognition is the first human quest. After an ordinary delivery, after the first few startled cries, newborn infants typically spend an hour or so in the stage doctors call quiet alert. Though they can only focus their vision roughly eight to 12 inches away, their eyes are wide open. They are searching with an instinct far deeper than intention. They're looking with their whole heart. They're looking for a face. And when they find one, especially a face that gazes back at them, they fix their eyes on it, having found what they were most urgently looking for. Recognition is the primary task of infancy. Feeding, crying, even sleeping are just the support system for the most essential work of figuring out who we are. And somehow we were made, designed by God to do this. When a little infant finds another set of eyes, another face that will hold the infant's gaze, that will stare back and communicate to the infant a sense of recognition that you matter, a recognition of what it is that that little infant is feeling. Then as Andy puts it, what happens in those moments is the infant is discovering that they are a person. They come to realize I have an identity, I matter, I am one of those. It's an amazing thing that even when a little infant uh, nurses, it ends up being just about exactly the right distance away from the eyes of the mom so that it can gaze and be seen back. We are made for this so deeply that another psychologist, Edward Tronick, um, did a series of experiments that involve what they call the still face, where a baby will look into the eyes of an adult, but the adult suppresses all emotion, gives back no wonder, no delight, no love, no joy, no empathy. And when that happens, a tiny little baby will begin to show signs of distress and uh, eventually just kind of collapse in despair because the baby is made to see in the face of another person the recognition, the love that says to the baby, I myself am a person. Um, Andy writes about uh, parents who are good friends of his that had a little child that was born without the capacity to discover um, recognition and the gaze of another. And so for the first six years of this child's life, they were not verbal. Uh, uh, they didn't give evidence of recognizing somebody else until one day when they were seven years old. Uh, Andy writes, 
with no forewarning, the little child was named James. James looked straight at his mother and said with slow stammering effort, mommy. And then once again, mommy. And then over and over with greater confidence and delight, mommy, mommy, mommy. Ellie generally avoided using her smartphone in James's presence. But this one day she happened to have it in her hand and prompted by some mother's instinct had started a recording. When Peter played it for me, we both wept. We were made to look for God and to see his face. Now, how do we do this? Well, amazingly enough, probably the primary way that we immerse, uh, probably the primary way that we are immersed in the Trinitarian presence is when we seek to immerse other people in the presence of the Trinity, when we seek to bless them. All day long, as we walk through the world, when we look at beauty, when you hear the sound of a bird, when you see a leaf on a tree or the sunlight dappled against it, or the color purple, we are able, we are called to remember, God is here, God is here, God is here. But especially today, when you see other people. Andy writes about uh, a kind of spiritual exercise. One day he was at the O'Hare airport and he had nothing to do. So he took a long walk through all the concourses. And every time he would see a person, he would say to himself, image bearer, to remember that this person bears the image of God an old man shuffling slowly through the airport, somebody weighted down by a heavy backpack, a woman in a sari, somebody reading a stroller with a little baby in it, uh, TSA workers, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer. And it's amazing to me how easily I can look at people, uh, as Paul says, through the eyes of the flesh and just judge them. How are they dressed? How functional do they look? How old or young? How healthy or not healthy? Are they attractive or not attractive? And be quite judgmental. And it's such an amazing thing to just look at people and say, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer. So that's the invitation today. Look for the color purple. You know, in the ancient world, in the Bible, it was a sign of royalty or majesty. We are told in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 2, that when Jesus had been arrested and uh, had been tried and was about to be crucified in order to mock him, soldiers placed, John says, a purple robe on him. God himself bears the color purple, although in mockery and humiliation, for our sake, so that we could see the King present in our midst. Today, as I go through this day, like a little baby is gazing for another face that can tell me I'm a person, I look for the presence of God to remind me my life matters, my life matters to God. And especially, I try to immerse other people into the Trinitarian presence. That's what it means to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Immerse them in the presence of God. And I find as I do that, as I try to love, as I try to bless, as I try to notice, as I try to see, I myself am immersed in that presence. That's where we live today. Look for the color purple. Guard your heart. See you next time.